What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome everyone to another Baseball America College podcast. Along with Aaron Fit. I am John Manuel. This season's college podcast is sponsored by Project Lomo. Logan Morrison of the Miami Marlins lost his dad to cancer in 2010 and has worked tirelessly for a cause he cares about, fighting lung cancer. Now he's asking young fans to find a cause they care about and do something about it. Last Wednesday, Logan visited Miami High School to officially launch this program and address an audience of more than 300 students. You can learn about it at projectlomo.mlblogs.com. It's a great initiative, and the young fans who do the most amazing projects will have a chance to go to a Marlins game, meet Logan Morrison and some of his teammates, throw out the first pitch, and win $1,000. Once again, that's projectlomo.mlblogs.com, sponsoring our podcast this year. And Aaron, uh, we're glad to have a, another uh, college podcast sponsor this year in Project Lomo. It just sounds awesome. Yeah. And, you know, last week, uh, the day they launched this thing, you know, I saw Logan tweeted something out about it, and you could tell he's very excited about it. I went ahead and retweeted it, you know, and get some, get some more attention out there. Uh, not, not that I have nearly as many followers as Logan Morrison has, but, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty cool thing, and, and certainly I hope, uh, hope all of our, our listeners check it out. Yeah, I mean, Logan Morrison was one of the first big leaguers who really just really took to Twitter and made it a, made it a big deal. Um, yeah. that, that it really kind of showed, I shouldn't say he made it a big deal. He's a guy who showed that athletes could kind of break down that wall and that, uh, basically guys like us, uh, weren't necessarily needed. You know, you could just talk right to the athletes, uh, right. at least reporters on the ground. Um, you know, I still think are needed, but there's uh, just getting quotes. Isn't enough anymore. I think Aaron, we do need expert analysis from people like you to sift out a very confusing college baseball landscape, which at the top is quite defined. We know who our top teams are. Some of the top seven teams have been some permutation of North Carolina, Vanderbilt, LSU, Cal State, Florida, NC State, Oregon State, Virginia for a decent amount of time. I guess most of the year you had Florida State in there instead of NC State, but the, the Wolfpack back basically where they were the preseason when they were number eight. The top 10 teams sure seem like they've been, uh, you know, the top 12 really in our rankings right now have been our teams that have been there for all, most of the year. The top yeah. 15 is fairly defined, but the back of the rankings have been a cluster all year. It's just been a, a real difficult chore sorting out those teams at the back of our rankings. So we need guys like you to tell us which team should be there. 
And uh, this week at the back of our top 25 rankings, a uh, real interesting discussion. We wound up bringing in two Big tw- uh, Big East teams, and neither one of them is Notre Dame, which uh, lost a series of South Florida. But the South Florida Bulls, whom you wrote about last week in Three Strikes, are in there. And Pittsburgh, which has been written about in Three Strikes this year. And I guess actually that was a streaking blog earlier in the year, back when we had a separate college blog. And they went, won that series at Pittsburgh, I mean, at Wichita State. But South Florida and Pittsburgh both in the rankings this week. And three Big East teams in the rankings. Uh, are there going to be three Big East, Big East teams in the field of 64? Are there going to be four Big East teams in the field of 64? How, first off, uh, the bigger question, how the Big East, uh, how did things align for the Big East to have such a, a big year in college baseball? Well, you know, it's I think part of it, John, is is the new RPI formula has benefited northern teams as it was intended to. Um, you know, the, this this new formula rewards road wins um, more than home wins. And these Big East teams, for the most part, have had to travel, you know, for the first several weeks of the season. You're on the road when you're you're playing, you know, you play in New York, New Jersey or something. I mean, right. uh, so so as a whole, that, that boosts the league's RPI and, you know, which, which helps the teams at the top. Um, and now, you know, you, these teams have been good. They've just, you know, you've got some Good clubs that have been very consistent, won a lot of games. I mean, Louisville, 37 and 10, Pittsburgh, 36 and 11, um, you know, gaudy overall records. And then you got, you know, Notre Dame uh, and South Florida are both right in the mix from an RPI standpoint. Obviously, this weekend was a little bit of a setback for Notre Dame, but they're still um, 33 in the in the Warren Nolan RPI that I'm looking at at the moment. Um, and, and, you know, and, and South Florida's had to come a long way. I mean, they were outside the top 100, I think, for a while, and now they're way up to number 52. Um, so they're right in the mix for an at-large, and they're red hot. They won 17 out of 18 games. I mean, you look at South Florida's resume, um, you know, and, and they're a different team now than they were the first half, first several weeks of the season. I mean, the light kind of switched on for them. Uh, and since then, you know, they, they've got that nice sweep over Pitt. Now they got a road series win at Notre Dame. Um, you know, they've been sweeping other series against the lesser teams in the league. Um, you know, so they're taking care of business. I mean, they're five and seven against the top 50. So they've got 12 games against the top 50 in the RPI and they've won five of them. That's respectable. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and they're doing it with pitching and defense and, and timely hitting and manufacturing runs. I mean, it's a formula we see a lot with successful teams in college baseball right now. Um, you know, it, it's it's it, they're not going to blow you away offensively, um, but they, you know, they, they battle and, and it's not, it's not huge arms either with this team. I mean, it's strike throwers. Right. I mean, it's, uh, this isn't, you know, they, they do have a couple of, a couple of good arms and a couple of guys that are, are good prospects, but this team isn't, you know, they're not going to wow you. Um, but they're, they're playing well. And, and I think they deserve to be ranked based on their resume. And right now I think they're on track to, to get in that large bid too. It really does seem Aaron, like the big East, even if Notre Dame, which has the highest RPI, doesn't get an at-large berth. It still feels like this could be a four-bid league as you had them in the midweek stock report. Um, I know I'm on the Seton Hall bandwagon. Uh, I feel like I'm not, I feel like I'm the only one. Um, <laughs> but am I crazy or is Seton Hall got a real shot right now? There are RPIs sure. in that 40 range. I just feel like even if Notre Dame doesn't get in, that Seton Hall will. I mean, this is a team that just keep, they've won nine in a row. Um, I know they don't have a real loud resume as far as the teams they've beaten. Most of the teams they've beaten have been the not as good teams in the Big East. They're making hay. 
against some of the teams that are not as good. But the, you know, we talked about a couple weeks ago. They had this, you know, Villanova and Cincinnati were are, are, have had bad seasons, and they went on the road and swept both those series. If they win this series this weekend at home against South Florida, and then they beat St. John's, I got to feel like Seton Hall is going to be the team that that gets into regionals. They've gotten into regionals recently. They got an ace and John Prasinski, who I think we both think is a a definite dude, a really good college pitcher. Uh, they've got a slugger in Sal Annunziato at a nice summer in the Coastal Plain League. He's got some power. They steal a ton of bases. This is a. I think that Seton Hall's a sleeper. Tell, tell me I'm wrong on Seton Hall. No, I think you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. And and they're right now they're number 42 in the RPI. And you know the 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 RPI needs report says these guys can can get in the top 32 if they win all their last six games. And if they win five out of six. Um, then they're, you're still in the top 45. Now that's going to be a little hard because South Florida is obviously red hot, and they got they got South Florida coming up next. But and it's Saint at home. St. John's is good. Yeah, and St. John's, good. St. John's is just okay. I mean, they're not actually. I don't think they are very good. They're 20 and 30 overall. I mean, it's not a. I don't it's know. An, it's I an mean, Eddie Blanks. It's an Eddie Blanks ball club. You know they're going to battle. That's right. That's right. Eddie Blanks clubs won't won't give you anything. But um, yeah, I mean St. John's uh, or Seton Hall rather, excuse me. They're 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 alive. I mean they're right here in the mix. So you're looking at Pittsburgh, South Florida, Louisville, Seton Hall, and Notre Dame. You've got five teams here with legitimate regional chances. And and I think you know the way the last couple of weeks in the Big East tournament play out will be huge. But I, I think this could be a four bid league. And and you know I know that sounds crazy. You know maybe you're thinking that won't happen. Maybe they'll just take three teams in some order. Uh, but you know I mean. There's a new reality now with this RPI. It changes. It changes the landscape a little bit. Um, if if it means we take you know four Big East teams instead of two, I don't think that's a bad thing. Especially since it's a good league this year. Yeah, those those four teams have to be have to have earned it. And I, I do feel like you know these teams have done some things to earn that. I'm I'm, I'm very impressed by uh, Seton Hall's ability to come back from that 0-9 start and. Uh, and not pack it up and pack it in. And uh, I don't know how much of an RPI bump they're getting from sweeping that series at Pepperdine, but that's pretty that's pretty loud. I do think yeah, also you – know, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was interrupting you, John, but but um, I think <laughs> – you know, Yeah, exactly. I think, first of all, that I'm going to be very curious. I just want to interject this point. I'm going to be very curious to see if the, if the committee still – uses the RPI as such a hard and fast guideline as it has in the past. Or, or I wonder if this year, you know, I mean, it'll be very interesting to see now that there's a new RPI formula, they still value it. You still have to basically be in the top 50 to get a bid. Um, or, you know, will they, I don't know. I mean, will they disregard the RPI because they don't like the results? I don't know. That's very I'm, possible. I'm yeah, curious great, to see how that happens. That's a great point. That's a really, really interesting point. If they, they, they've, there's been this significant change in the RPI, and we've noticed, I think it's undeniable, that it's helping northern teams in the – it's helping the less – it's helping the little guy in Mercer, South Alabama. Some of these teams that are good program, – they've, they've been good programs or good teams or in the past, they'd be good mid-majors. All of a sudden, you're looking at those teams with really gaudy RPI numbers, and yeah. uh, you, know, you have some teams like Stanford and Arizona that don't. I mean, they haven't had great years, but – um, it, it just it's it, it, the RPI just looks different uh, than it, than it has in the past. There's no doubt about that. I think part of that's just the increased parity that's calculated. So, um, it's the Baseball America College podcast with John Manuel and Aaron Fit. Um, Aaron is back now from our little technical difficulty there, but Aaron, yeah. uh, Aaron, the, the other league that I think is fighting to get four bids, 
I think there are a lot of traditional power leagues. There are a couple, I should say, that you think of as traditionally better leagues in the Big East that are going to get fewer bids. And one of them is Conference USA. I think that's a given. Conference USA had a really brutal year this year. But the other one in there to me is the Big 12. But it seems like the Big 12 is starting to make a little bit of a run, Aaron, at getting four bids. And part of that is Oklahoma coming down. Part of it is the, the Sunflower State, Kansas and Kansas State having strong years. Uh, Baylor's kind of in that mix. I guess not really. But coming on like a freaking freight train is West by God, Virginia. They win two out of three this weekend against Oklahoma. You've written about West Virginia. It's it's, it's another South Florida scene here, isn't it, Aaron? They're pitching and defense team that just tries to mm. scratch out a run. No, I think that's actually not okay. probably – um, I think they're more of an offensive team. I think they're very athletic. Um, you know, I think when you look at their, they, they really have the one pitcher who, yeah, you know, is, is, I think a legit. A, no, it, uh, Harrison Musgrave. I'm, He's I'm the guy that's them in Appalachian State. They're both Mountaineers. <laughs> gotcha. But um, you know, this this West Virginia team to me is, you know, they're they're first of all, you have to give the coaching staff a lot of credit because this team has overachieved. You know, Randy Mays even used that word. Um, when I talked to him a couple weeks ago, he said, you know, on pitching in particular has overachieved because based on talent, there's not a lot of arms here, um, you know, that have, that are, that are great. I mean, Harrison Musgrave is a very good arm and he's had a very, very good year. He's, you know, he might be the pitcher of the year in the big 12 at the time as well. I mean, John Gray's going to be the pitcher of the year, but, um, you know, he's, he's on the short list. Um, but you know, I mean, Corey Walter's got a really good arm arm for them, but he's been erratic. He's been up and down. Um, and then they've had guys that just kind of compete, you know, John Means and Dan Deerdorf. Um, but, you know, and Paul Pascal has been fantastic at the back of the bullpen. But, you know, the, the pitching staff, they, they've done enough. I mean, really, you got to give the coaching staff credit and then give the pitchers credit because they've, they've competed hard. Uh, but this is, a, this is a good offensive team. they got some power. You know, Ryan McBroom's got some pop in there. Um, you know, Ryan Tuntland's had a fantastic year for them. Right. Um, you know, kind of their he's kind of their best overall hitter. You know, he hits for average, he hits for a little bit of pop, you know, drives the gap some, but the team has a lot of speed. They run the bases very aggressively. They um, you know, Brady Wilson is, is a really good athlete, you know, he can fly and he might not be the fastest guy on the team. Um, you know, Bobby Boyd, I think, is faster. Um, so you know, that that's that's what stands out about this team is the athleticism. You know, up and down the lineup, you got guys with occasional power. I mean, it's, you know, um, mostly it's McBroom and Frazier and maybe Ryan Tuntland that, that can drive the ball out of the park. But this team is, you know, they, they are, they're going to have guys drafted. I mean, they've got talent on offense. And, um, you know, compared to most of the other teams in this league, they're more offensive than, than Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, yeah. They scored 18 you know, runs so. those last two games. And Oklahoma is certainly a little crippled with Dylan Overton out with what is it, a muscle strain in his forearm? Yeah, something like it's it's somewhere near his elbow. I'm not exactly sure where it is, but yeah, he's supposedly he's going to be back. They said he could be back for Bedlam next week. Um, they might be more conservative and hold him back another week, but he he won't, he, he should be back shortly. The MRI is clean. How much do you think the committee, or should the committee? Maybe this is a different question. How much should the committee give West Virginia credit for, considering that even their home series are road series? I mean, uh, they played yeah. and they played West Oklahoma this weekend in Charleston, which is clearly off campus. They played Kansas at Beckley, West Virginia. They're basically ride a bus, sleep in a hotel for pretty much every game, whether it's home or road, right? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. It's 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 been. I think it should be a consideration. I mean, I really do. It's an extenuating circumstance here. I mean, this is you know, this is a team that's that's eleven and ten in true road games. They're fourteen and three in, in quote unquote home games. Um, you know, and and it's. <laughs> 
I think it's a factor. I mean, when you're when you're having to leave campus every week, um, who nobody else is having to do that. I mean, that's you know, and it's not like they're going right down the street here. I mean, Beckley is is a hall. Um, Charleston is still a little bit of a ways from Morgantown, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not real familiar with West Virginia geography, but I know that it's not not right down the street. <laughs> it's 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 a couple hours, I think, for all these. And I, I gotta give other thing we gotta give West Virginia credit besides just the fact that Arena Maze has done a great job. The fact that they're tied for first place in this league is obviously a tremendous job. But their fans have also really come up, Aaron. You just go through that. They had 3,200 on Friday night, 20, like mm-hmm. 2,500 Saturday. They had 2,500 midweek against Pittsburgh. I know that's a rivalry game, but that was on campus. They had 2,500 uh, on campus for a West Virginia-Pittsburgh game. So let's give mm. the West by God Virginia fans some credit for, <laughs> for coming out and, uh, you know, for, for coming out strong. And I think the other part of this is let's give, you know, I think some real credit to uh, – I, I, think, I, I think you have to give real credit to these fans uh, and this program and, and for Andrew Luck's dad. I forget his name, but he's the AD there. And hiring mm. Randy Mazie. I mean, Randy Mazie. Now let's talk briefly about this, Aaron. But Randy Mazie, there were very few coaching free agents out there this offseason. Number one, who would have taken the job at West Virginia. And number two, who had a 50-win season on their resume like Randy Mazie. But guy has been a, a top-flight head coach at ACC, TCU, ACC schools, TCU, replaced Keith LeClaire at East Carolina, left there under a cloud. Certainly things did not end the way that he – thought it would and there was some on field and some off field stuff there and there's a reason why he didn't he wasn't a head coach somewhere else because there was i think he was perceived for lack of a better phrase as a little bit of damaged goods but what a job he's done at west virginia i think west virginia i think he was this was just a case of the perfect fit of a guy who's good enough to be a, a high level big 12 head coach and who has a good resume but you know the reason west virginia could get him was because there were some other parts of the resume that other schools didn't want to touch. And and it's just been a perfect marriage. Yeah. And you know, the guy can really coach just the bottom line. Everyone that who, is the bottom line. you know, everyone who, who has coached with and against him and knows him, um, you know, rave about his, his ability to, to do, you know, to, to get the most out of his players. I mean, he did a great job at TCU. You know, I had, I had Ray Birmingham, you know, New Mexico texting me yesterday about how great a job Maisie is and how great of a coach he is. Um, you know, just it's people have noticed what this program has done and it's 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 a big deal. I mean, for them to be where they are right now. I mean, they now for them to get into a regional, you know, from an RPI standpoint, they need to win out to get into the top forty five according to this RPI needs report, which is not, you know, it's not precise, but it's a good guideline. I mean, they still have RPI work to do. And, you know, the remaining series, you got you got uh, TCU coming up and then at Oklahoma State. So it's still not going to be easy, but they're playing well. You know, they're playing as well as any team in the Big 12 right now, maybe better um, than any team in the Big 12 right now. You know, they've, they've won uh, four straight series, two of them on the road at Liberty, at Texas and then Kansas and Oklahoma. So, I mean, they're they've got some momentum. Um, it, it's, it's a neat story. Now, Kansas State has the highest RPI of any Big 12 team. Ho hum! They went on the road and beat Texas two out of three. We talked about the Longhorns last yeah. week on the Google Plus Hangout. I know Bedlam is what they call it in Oklahoma when Oklahoma and Oklahoma State play. What's the Kansas Kansas State series called? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, some kind of uh, the, the sun the sunflower showdown. I, I don't know. That's it, but, <laughs> but that's a pretty big one. Uh, Kansas State has a uh, twice the RPI that uh, Kansas has. Kansas 
according to what I'm looking at, Kansas is at 48, Kansas State's at 24 on BoydsWorld.com. But, I mean, if Kansas wins that series, is Kansas in? I mean, are both teams – it looks like both teams have a real shot to get at large bids. Yeah, I think Kansas State's in really good shape regardless uh, at this point. I mean, like you said, their RPI is pretty good. Um, now, they do have two d- difficult series remaining at Kansas and then home against Oklahoma. Right. They could conceive, lose both those series. If, let's say they go one and five in those games. Then maybe you're in trouble because then you're 12 and 13 in the league. Um, you know, they, they still would probably finish in the top 45. I mean, the, the RPI News report says they win one road game or one whole, they just win one game, uh, they'll still finish in the top 32. So I, I think they're probably still going to get in. Um, but, you know, it'll be better not to get swept in those last two series. That is but can, true. You know, Kansas has a little more RPI work to do, um, and, and in the standings, you know, they're, they're, they've got a little more work to do. But, you know, getting, getting swept last weekend by West Virginia um, hurt right. Kansas's cup. But they're still only they're right in the mix in the pack in the Big Twelve. They're they're twelve and nine, um, you know. So they're they're not far back. They they finished at Utah non conference series, um, you know, in in two weeks after they play Kansas State. So um, th- this this is just a weird league. I mean, it's hard to get a handle on it. Baylor had been playing well. Baylor's been up and down and up and down. It seems like all year, um, you know. Two weeks ago, they Baylor had won a big series and put themselves back in the mix for an out large uh at the, by sweeping texas and then last week they go to kansas and get swept and now i think they're back out of, of that large spot here uh which is where they had been three weeks ago you know if they lost the series to tcu so i mean it's just right. up and down and up and down with baylor uh but that's an important series for kansas and and right now i like kansas's chances more than baylor's that's for sure and both oklahoma and oklahoma state i mean am i crazy is oklahoma not a cinch to get in here I mean, like, their RPI is right there next to Oklahoma State's. I mean, I guess what I'm – first off, let's talk about this Bedlam series. I mean, this is a, usually a very, very well-attended series, one of the better rivalries in college baseball. I mean, it's a, it's a great rivalry anyway, but it seems like it has a little bit more import in college baseball. Oklahoma has a national championship back in 1994. Oklahoma State has been to Omaha a ton of times over the years. You, know, you have one game in Tulsa, two in Oklahoma City, so you have big, uh, you know, big professional parks that these two teams usually sell out. Um, but Oklahoma, a little little funk here, a little Kyle Funkhauser here. Um, you know, you, you, they just haven't played very well lately. What is it, six and seven in their last 13 games, and three of those wins are New Orleans. We talked about Devil and Overton right. being hurt. Um, then they, they after the Bedlam series, like you said, they finish at Oklahoma, I mean, at Kansas State. So uh, I don't know. I, I'm wondering – if both these teams do pretty well down the stretch, say they go one and two, one of them goes one and two. Yeah, they, there's a one and two in the Bedlam series, and they both win that final series. I mean, could this be a five or six bid league, even even though it feels like it should be like a three or four bid league? It feels like there's a lot of bunching up here. There is a lot of bunching. Yeah, I think you know you could get Kansas State, Oklahoma, Kansas. Um, Oklahoma State, I could see it being those four. I still think West Virginia is a long, long shot. I, I still think Baylor's probably not going to get in now. Okay. So I think you're, you're looking at three or four. It still feels to me like the more likely scenario. So the most likely <clears throat> permutation is that the Big 12 sends four teams, and they're from the states of Oklahoma and Kansas. So no, I think so. And, and so we've talked about this briefly. I know we talked about it yesterday in our Top 200 meeting a little bit with Jim Callis. Conference USA is going to send a, a, a more than likely going to send a team from Texas in Rice, but how many teams from the state of Texas are going to get into regionals, and how many are going to 
Is anyone from the state of Texas going to host? Will there be any regionals in the state of Texas? No, no, I, I really don't think so. I mean, Rice still has an outside chance, but it's I don't I don't like their case very much. I think they've got a lot of work to do, um, and then that's it. There's nobody else who's even in the discussion to host in that state. It's brutal. Um, the only other team that might even get into a regional at this point I mean, now, I guess Baylor's still alive, but uh, I don't like. I don't like their case very much, but I think Sam Houston right. State is probably the other team that you're looking at here. I mean, the Southland. Um, it's boy. I mean, this is when you talk about the Big Twelve has all those teams from from Texas. You know, Texas, Texas Christian, Texas Tech, and Baylor, um, and none of them is probably going to regionals. That's amazing. That is really amazing. Texas A&M <clears throat> moving on to the Southeastern Conference probably not going to get into regionals. Twenty six and twenty two. Uh, no, the, they're not getting if the Southland winner comes from like say it was Central Arkansas, which has had the best RPI in that league, right? Yep. And at 43, say Central Arkansas wins that conference tournament, which you know you f- I feel bad for Central Arkansas with the season they've had to just scuffle in the league at 11 and 10, just uh, bad timing <laughs> for the Bears. Um, uh, but what if but you know if Oral Roberts is to win that tournament? I mean, uh, and they've got the best pitcher. Right. And they certainly, I know it hasn't been done in the Southland Conference, but they certainly have a history of being a good tournament team. Um, or, yep. if, or if Southeastern Louisiana wins, I mean, just it would just be amazing that the teams from the state of Texas, how how few representatives from, to me, uh, from a college baseball standpoint, you can make the case that the state of Texas is the best state for college baseball. You can make that case. Not this year, obviously. Yeah. Um, but historically, um, I think you can make that case with Texas's national championships, Rice. Uh, I mean, I would give the edge to California. But Texas is pretty doggone good, and just a just a brutal year. I, I would expect that uh, Governor Perry will in, institute some kind of investigation into the downfall <laughs> of college baseball in the in the state of Texas. Aaron, uh, we did mention Conference USA here real quick, also with regard to Rice. WTF with the with Conference USA? This is a league that's uh, you know that's had such a changing membership over the years. Um, but in baseball, and when they came to this current membership. I've ta- I remember talking. I know you've had this conversation with Rick Jones, Wayne Graham, all the coaches in that league between Southern Miss, Rice, Tulane, all have been to Omaha, Omaha in the last decade. Uh, Houston's been a good program. East Carolina's been a good program. Florida's been a good program. Marshall's having a, a good year by its standards. Um, with Aaron Blair going to get drafted high this year. Uh, Memphis has been solid over the years. But uh, this is just a brutal year in this league. Is there any way this is more than a one-bid league? I guess someone else other other than Rice wins the conference yeah. tournament, right? That's the answer. You're not going to get more than one at-large bid in Conference USA. You know, and for a while, I, I was kind of bullish on Southern Miss's chances. I thought the RPI would come up more than it has. And then this weekend, they, they lose a series to ECU. So I already, I already had kind of downgraded them right. um, as an at-large as team. But, you know, I... Still thought maybe if they win out and you know play well in the conference tournament maybe, um, but you know they they're shot now after losing that series to ECU they need the automatic bid, um, you know they're the only other team Rice is the only team in the top 40 in the RPI in that league, um, and I think they're also the only team in the top 50 Rice is number 37 and Houston is uh, 54. That's so there amazing. You go. I mean that is amazing. <laughs> It is amazing, and and Houston, of course, you know, had for a while we thought they'd be an at-large team, um, and then they hit the skids there, starting with that Seton, like starting starting really with the Marshall series back in early April. Yeah, uh, they lose to Seton Hall the following weekend. They lose to Rice. They lose to UCF. Get swept at UCF. Finally, this weekend, a, a big week 
for Houston to kind of bounce back. They, they take a road series at Tulane and, and a midweek win in Louisiana Lafayette, which is a, a good win. Um, but I still think it's too little too late for them. I mean, they're, they're still alive. They're in the 50s. They need to finish strong. Um, uh, I'm not really – I'm not a believer. Speaking of too little, too late, East Carolina, my preseason Omaha sleeper, 11 and four in its last 15 games. You know, they're 11 and four since losing in NC State on April 9th, um, and they've won four straight uh, Conference USA series. And you look at their losses in Conference USA since then. Three of them are they're all they have three Conference USA losses since they're all by one run. Maybe if they sweep that series at Tulane and win that 5-4 game, maybe if they win that game that Friday game at Memphis, they lost 6-5. Maybe if they win that 10-9 game they lost this weekend to Southern Miss, and they're number 73 in the RPI, maybe East Carolina would have made that that run. And their last four losses in Conference USA play are all by one run because the last game of their Rice series, they also lost. And then at Houston, they lost two one-run games. I mean, definitely some what-ifs for the Pirates this year. But uh, And, and – they're sitting here two and eleven against the top fifty. They just haven't beaten that's it. the good teams on their schedule. That's it. No, that's exactly it. And uh, you know, you're gonna have to kind of look in the mirror on that one uh, when the year is over. But uh, tough year for the Pirates. Aaron, I also thought we would touch on uh, a couple of other of the quote-unquote mid-major conferences. And we actually also uh, was, yeah, this our, and, and, was it our first ticket punched in the not a mid-major but a small conference. Our first conference uh, right. sixty-four team uh, ticket punched this weekend with an upset in the Ivy League. Yeah, it was Columbia, and actually, you know, Columbia, uh, as it turned out, yeah, I guess it wasn't an you know, had, had, They they were they were hosting this thing. They finished with a, a one game better record than Dartmouth overall, but Dartmouth was still the you know the the kind of the team that has been the power in the Ivy League over the last half decade. Uh, I think they had been to five straight Ivy Championship series, and of course they they you know been to regionals, and um, they were the preseason pick and the defending champion. Um, you know, and Columbia swept them, and and this is you know this Columbia team. Um, you know, exacting a little bit of revenge for for 2010. This current senior class at Columbia was was beaten by Dartmouth, I believe, in the 2010 Ivy Championship. Um, so you know, they, they now they they got to get back there as a extra inning game in the first game of that doubleheader on Saturday, and then they you know, they broke it open late in the second game. But um, you know, Columbia's got. They got a little pitching. We'll write about more about them in, in three strikes this weekend. But you know, they they got some pitching with, with David Spear, who's had a really good year for them, and you know, Joey Lino and Tim Geal, kind of a, a quality rotation. Uh, they got a few different guys in the bullpen. They're a little deeper in, in the pen than they have been in the past, and uh, and they got a, a real difference maker in Alex Black. I mean, that's kind of the guy for them. He's their two-way guy. Leads them in home runs and hitting, and right. you know, he's also he can run up there into the low 90s off the mound, and uh, he's got some say four saves back there. So um, he's 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 a really, I think, a really good player. Um, but you know, c- congratulations to the Lions. I'll give both. Uh, I'll give a little kudos. This is a different. It's a different market, but they're showing attendance of 9.52 uh, at uh, Columbia. That's pretty good for an Ivy League game, is it not? Sure, I agree. I can't, I yeah. can't remember seeing a thousand people there. And also, Columbia with a really cool story of uh, with uh, Joey Falcone, the son of ex big leaguer Pete Falcone, who's what a 26 year old. He's a two time um, was it a, he's a, was a, either a Marine or an army corpsman. So a me- medical officer, uh, de- went on two tours. Uh, we're in two wars. He took two tours. I don't think either of us, Aaron can imagine what he saw with his own eyes in combat. Um, yeah. and as a medical, as a, as a medical person, a medical serviceman in combat zones like that, and just, uh, what he must've seen and gone through. 
And uh, this guy's come back. He's got five home runs. He's been a, a, a little, giving them some some thump in the middle of the lineup behind Alex Black. I think Columbia's a neat story, and I feel bad for Dartmouth because they've been so consistent. But this is the way the Ivy League does it. And, uh, you know, so kudos to uh, Coach Benetti and, and the Columbia Lions and uh, New York City represented. So more teams, possible more teams, as many teams from New York City as from the whole state of Texas in the NCAA, in NCAA regionals, which is just crazy. Uh, Aaron, a couple other mid-major. Uh, how, go ahead. I'm sorry. How about how about uh, you mentioned your Omaha sleeper before? How about my Omaha sleeper? New Mexico. Uh, New Mexico now clinching the, the Mountain West Conference. And, and I should add here, this is a good time to, to say that I think my crystal ball picks are, in general, across the board, looking better than yours because um, I, I feel I feel pretty good about my, my player of the year pick with Chris Bryant. Uh, and I feel pretty good about my freshman of the year pick with Alex Bregman. So Who I, I'm my just going to throw that year? out Who there. Who was my player of the year pick? Colin oh, Moran. Uh, was it Moran? I think it was probably Moran. I, I feel terrible about that pick. He, he only leads the yeah. country and runs in RBIs. <laughs> yeah, the number one team in the country. That's horrible. He's a He's a pretty good player. Who was your pitcher of the year? Uh, we both had Radon for that, and you had Mikey White for freshman. So, oh, so uh, you know, it, it. Mikey White's been he's come on lately, but he's not easy. Not Alex Bregman. He is not Alex Bregman. Not offensively, <laughs> not defensively. He is not Alex Bregman. Bregman had a great uh, scout comment the other day about Alex Bregman, where he said he's like a forty or fifty runner, depending <laughs> on the day. So you can probably say a fifty runner, but it's like seven range. You know, you usually don't see guys who are average or fringy runners at shortstop who have tremendous range. But he said Alex Bregman does. That's instincts. That's playability. Um, just a difference maker for LSU. Aaron, that's as good a uh, segue as any that we're going to get to the SEC, which it's a Baseball America College podcast with Aaron Fitton and John Manuel. There has to be some SEC talk. Uh, it kind of a chalk week in the Southeastern Conference, Aaron. I guess the big takeaways are South Carolina fans, let not your heart be troubled. We uh, – <laughs> We didn't, we didn't move them up last week. We didn't move them down this week. They stay uh, at 15 in the rankings. But got to be a little disappointing, I think, for the uh, fight in Holbrooks for, uh, for South Carolina to lose that both games to Vanderbilt. Uh, and Vanderbilt, Aaron, I think, I mean, just Zomek and Beattie. Those guys are just, they're just machines. Uh, you know, is there any chink in the armor for Vanderbilt? Is there any weakness you see to this team? No, no, I really don't. I mean, the the questions that we had, the few questions we had about this team in the preseason, and there weren't many because we almost ranked in preseason number one. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the 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 starters needed to prove themselves. They had the talent, and they needed to live up to it. And mission accomplished. I mean, Zomek and Beatty have been fantastic all year long. Um, and you know, the bullpen is so deep, and the lineup is powerful and fast and they play defense they do everything i mean i think vince vince condi has, has handled the that to me was the other key thing was yeah. the shortstop position yeah. um you know the left side of the infield in general and and you know vince condi at shortstop has been the answer he's been really good for them they really like him um so you know no there's no chink in the armor i think they're they're really good and i don't think we need to spend a you know a ton of time talking about right. the sec right. but uh, because you know I, we certainly we've talked a lot about that league all year but it's but you're right i mean it's it's that was a notable series i mean for Vanderbilt to be 21 and 2 right now still it's still pretty mind-boggling yeah, i just want to hit a couple of high notes and to me that's one of them another one would be talking about the uh, magnolia state a little bit um mississippi and mississippi state we talked about those teams a lot this year but uh old miss aaron Maybe the least impressive 12 and 12 SEC team in recent, <laughs> at least this year, they certainly are. And Mississippi State, how much has their sweep of Alabama hurt Alabama's chances at being a regional club? It feels like Alabama's still in that mix, but it certainly doesn't help anything, does it? 
No, they're they're fine though. I think. I mean, they're still in the you know the high thirties in the RPI, and um, you know they're close to five hundred in the league at eleven and twelve. I kind of thought um, they needed to get to thirteen wins, maybe fourteen for for at large. And you know they've got Missouri coming in this week. It's a series they should win. Uh, you know Missouri's fourteen and twenty eight. So if you win that series, you're up to thirteen wins. If you take two out of three, if you sweep it, then you're up to fourteen wins, and then I think you're really in. Um, and, and, you know, with Vanderbilt coming up the last weekend, you probably, you know, I, I imagine they're going to get swept at Vanderbilt because I think Vanderbilt's really good uh, and, and better than Alabama. But you never know. They could win a game there. Um, but, you know, I, I still think Alabama's in pretty good shape. I think, I think um, you know, Mississippi State needed this. That was a big road sweep for them to kind of help their, their hosting chances. And Ole Miss, could, you know, it's amazing. You're right. They're 12 and 12 in the league. They're they're still in the top 20 in the RPI, and and yet it feels like this is a team that's not really in the hosting mix anymore. They've just really scuffled in the second half. Um, you know, they they've 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 taken care of business. They did sweep Tennessee. They swept Alabama. Uh, um, you know, they they and before I mean, but other than that, I mean, really, those are the two series that are kind of propping them up. Yeah, that's what's uh, that's they, the they word. Lost home series to. Yeah, that's the word, Aaron. To me, these neither of these teams, Alabama <laughs> and Ole Miss, they're gonna get in. I, I I understand they're gonna get in, but so here's Alabama's series. They won two games at home against Texas A&M, and uh, they won two out of three at Auburn, and they swept Georgia at Georgia. They won two out of three against Tennessee, but every other series against a, their other big win is winning two out of three at Florida Atlantic. And let's give them credit; that's a good series win. They went on the road. And won, you know, two out of three low-scoring games at, uh, you know, at Florida Atlantic for the weekend. They outscored Florida Atlantic nine to seven. So welcome to the new college baseball. But series loss at home to Tulane, swept at Louisville, uh, you know, lost at home to Arkansas, swept at Ole Miss, uh, lost. And I guess they beat LSU. So winning one game there. But this, anytime they played a good team, they, so they really need. In my mind, they need to sweep Missouri. I would, if I were them, I'd feel like you need to sweep Missouri or at least win that series. Because oh, yeah. I just don't feel like you want to be at 30 or 31 wins overall and just leave it. Just, that's just awfully close. And the, the Missouri the Missouri series is a must-win. If they don't win that series, I don't think they get in. I agree. Um, I agree completely. And then, and then Ole Miss, I mean, again, this is a team that when they've played better teams outside of sweep at Alabama and Tennessee, you know, what's— And, and winning two out of three at Arkansas. They won two out of three at Arkansas. That, Let's not forget. I, I'm not forgetting, but, like, since then— do they have another series win? Those are the only two series they've won. That's it. And, right, yeah. I mean, and Kentucky's well, trending that, down. Auburn's not good. It's just a very underwhelming resume. I know you have to take the whole totality of it. I get it. But, boy, the trend there is is pretty bad. For me, the top five teams in the SEC are real easy. I mean, Vanderbilt and LSU are clearly 1-2. It's not close to me. They're on a pedestal. Then South Carolina, Arkansas, Mississippi State. You know, I know, Arkansas is third in that. I think I, I think I think they're the third best team. They certainly aren't a juggernaut. Uh, they just you mean you know, they have some flaws. All three of those teams have some flaws. But I mean, like, I guess Florida is the next team. Florida or Ole Miss. But I mean, I don't feel great about any of the, uh, uh, SEC team other than those, those top five. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, uh, Kentucky has certainly been exposed, um, and that was a team that I liked a lot earlier in the season. Um, you know, Ole Miss has been exposed. I mean, these yeah. are Ole Miss lost five. You lost lose five out of eight conference series. Um, you know, I know the SEC is tough, but that's the thing about the SEC this year is that it has, you know, it has that that 
soft underbelly that you can pad your record against and prop yourself up. Because if you're playing against the other teams, that's good enough to help you. You're playing LSU, and if you get swept, it's going to help you in the RPI. Right. Um, and then you can pad your record by, you know, by taking care of business against the Tennessees and the Georgias and the Auburns. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 it, it kind of helps that league. Um, you know, I think they're they're going to send nine teams to regionals, assuming Alabama does what it needs to do this weekend against Missouri. Right. But th- that doesn't mean I'm necessarily impressed with those teams, those six through nine teams. I'm not, yeah. really. I'll tell you, Auburn is going to be kicking itself because it, uh, they finally they, they win that series against Ole Miss. I, I feel like Auburn's kicking itself because they won that series at Texas A&M. They have a couple of decent series on their resume, but losing a series at Missouri – I know that was rain interrupted and a tough rain series. Then losing at home to Alabama, your big in-state rival, uh, but you were at home. You know they didn't sweep Georgia. Uh, it's just gonna be kicking. It feels like Auburn's a team that could have snuck in uh, to regionals. Any of these teams, it's just a game here or there because you know that eight or nine teams from your league are gonna get in. But I, I do feel like the overall conference RPI is really gonna be hurt by those three bottom feeders in the SEC East, which of course it's always hilarious to me that Missouri. Is in the SEC East. Uh, it's hard for me to, to get to get past that point. Um, right. Speaking of teams trending down, Aaron, do we want to talk anything about Georgia Tech at all this week? Losing to Coastal Carolina in a weekend series. I mean, how does that affect the ACC yeah. from a tournament? Uh, you know, from a a stock report standpoint. I mean, is is that team is Georgia Tech in, in danger of not making it to regionals? I mean, could they lose a spot to say? Miami, considering that Miami did sweep St. John's this weekend, so at least their overall record looks a little better. I mean, right now, I still have both those teams in, probably. Um, I still think it's an eight-bid league, but Georgia Tech is certainly trending in the wrong direction. Um, you know, that's obvious. This has been a really a real meltdown in the second half of the season, starting really with that, that I guess, the Duke series yeah. um, that they lost on the road, and they, the offense hadn't been the same since. I mean, they're not scoring runs the way they used to score runs. Um, and this weekend they, they scored four runs and then four runs and then eight runs and, and lost in that Sunday game because their pitching is, eh, I mean, you know, it's just up and down. I mean, you never know what, you know, Cole Pitts could give you a great start on Sunday or he could get shelled. Um, you know, Farmer even has, has not been as good as he was early. Right. Um, he was you know, better this weekend, but he hasn't been tremendous. Yeah, and their defense is, is I don't trust at all. They make too many errors. They make them at the wrong time. They make boneheaded plays. Um, I just, I, I just, I'm not impressed. And, you know, and, and, and I thought, uh, hey, I admit it. I bought in on this team early in the season. I thought this team was for real this time. I mean, I thought, you know, you look at their roster, their, their lineup, one through nine, and you're thinking, man, these guys, they're experienced, they're they're physical, they're powerful, they beat you with speed, they can beat you a lot of different ways. Um, and and it's just more of the same. It's Georgia brutal. Tech. It's brutal, it's man. Just, it is brutal. You uh, want to try to make excuses, and not you, but I mean in general. And I mean, their talent is, they're going to have what? How many guys that I have in the top uh, 200 for them the other day? Five? Uh, Kyle Rand was just on Farmer. the Kyle, Kyle Rand was close, but Farmer, Thomas, Evans, Palka, and... Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, Evans would probably be in both as a pitcher and as a hitter if you could split him into two players. Um, and Kyle Wren's not far off. But uh, the most inexplicable series of, of of all this, out of all of it, is that they won two out of three at home against Virginia. It seemed like they were riding the ship, even though they didn't score in that right. series. You're like, well, they battled. You had to give them credit. They kind of battled in that. But, boy, since then, swept at home by NC State, swept uh, two out of three, lost at Clemson, and then to <laughs> lose at home to, to Coastal. 
And now, you know, they've got North Carolina. I, I just wonder, Aaron, if that last series at Miami, if that might not be like a loser does not get in. Um, let's let's say Georgia Tech gets swept this weekend by North Carolina. Which is very I don't reasonable think that'll to happen. <laughs> I think it's reasonable. Yeah, to but expect. but it's but it's in Atlanta, and historically, that's you know, a place Tar Heels have struggled. UNC is coming off the exam break now. You never True. know. Maybe there's True. who knows. But I mean, uh, on the other hand, Georgia. Tech has to go to Ohio State midweek and play two games, so um, that's gonna, you know, I think that'll deplete them a little bit heading into this big series. Not, not great timing for that that trip, I think. But uh, let's say Georgia Tech gets swept, they're twelve and fifteen in the league. Then that Miami series becomes a must-win, and you know, I, I still think if they get to fourteen wins in the league, they're probably okay. Um, but you know, this is it's become a lot closer than I thought it would be. And and you know, Miami's case, they're at Wake Forest this weekend. Certainly, that's a must-win series, I think. They're they're at 11 wins in the league. Again, I think I think 14 is kind of that real magic number. If you can be at least 14 and 16 with a good RPI in ACC, then I think you're probably still going to get in. So crazy question to wrap this up: uh, Does Maryland, if Maryland's Maryland's got this doubleheader today at Clemson with the rape, right. the rain that's played havoc with that series, if Maryland sweeps that, I'm just playing hypothetical. I don't think Maryland will. But then they have right. Boston College at home. Maryland's RPI is 21. So if Maryland just yeah. – I'm just thinking, I mean, if they sweep those five games, they get to 14 and 16 in ACC play. Or what, what if they go 4 and 1, if they're 13 and 17 in the league with about 31, 32, 33 wins, I guess. Does Maryland have an at-large bid shot at the expense of Miami or Georgia Tech? Is that possible or am I crazy? Yeah, I, t- I tweeted about this yesterday about this possibility. You know, watch out because all of a sudden, you look up and, and this team Maryland has has not won series this year. Oh, They've lost two or three to Virginia Tech. They've lost two or three to Miami. They lost two or three to North Carolina. Lost two or three to North Carolina State. They lost two or three to Wake Forest, Florida State, Virginia. They lost every ACC series this year until Duke. this past weekend against Duke uh, at Duke. And then now if they can win this Clemson series. Maybe they win the Boston College series. Look, the committee. I don't think the committee cares if you win series. I don't think they look at that I, uh, I, the way you and I do. If we were building, or, or the way coaches do, which is the crazy thing. Coaches, yeah. coaches I mean, look at that. Winning series, I'm telling you, that's what it's all about. You got to win two out of three. You win two out of three, you can get all the way to Omaha. You know, I mean, it's 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 the it's, way the postseason is structured. It's the way the regular season is structured. So it's just so much. It is in, in, integral to college baseball. It is inherent to success in college baseball is the ability to win series, and I think like you're right. The co- the committee doesn't even seem like they look at it. And so, if Maryland, I agree with you. If they, if let's say they get to 13 or 14 wins in the league with a strong RPI, yeah, I think they got a chance. Um, I don't think they deserve to get in with <laughs> with a resume that includes series losses to everybody they played until the last couple of weeks. I think you're right. Um, but but I, yeah, I think they got a chance, and you know, I mean, just the fact that they went to LSU and got swept in the first weekend helps their RPI. No doubt. Um, you know, I mean, it, and and for me, that's not enough. It's not enough to play good teams. I want to see you win series against good teams, and they haven't. But uh, uh, if they win one this weekend, then that'll be finally a feather in their cap, and, and they'll be in the discussion. Spoken like a true Padawan learner. I don't want to just. You said it just like I don't want to see you just play teams. You need to beat good teams. Don't just play them. Show me you can beat them. You know, and, they really haven't. And, and for the, and the best thing that they've got going for them is they haven't gotten swept very much. And they got swept by North Carolina. Yep, that's uh, it. And I think, I think that's it. I mean, they've been they've managed to at 
at least win one game against Virginia and Florida State and North Carolina State and Miami and Virginia Tech. So that's hey, that's something going. They're only they've been swept twice by the number one and number three teams in our rankings, and which I think are also one and three in the RPI. Are they not? North Carolina and LSU. So I think that's about right. So I mean, uh, so kudos. I I do think John Chef, the coach of Maryland, has done a nice job. Aaron, that's our segue to what we're going to talk about on today's Google Plus Hangout. If you're listening to this podcast, probably after the live Hangout, go back and watch the Hangout. We're talking College Coach of the Year candidates. I don't think John Chef's necessarily a candidate for Coach of the Year nationally. I do think he is one in the ACC. I don't think he'll win it. I think he's done a real nice job. But uh, Fitzy, great job on the podcast. I think you may have won today's podcast, Aaron. So, I win every podcast, Johnny. I don't know about that, Fitzy. It's a, it's a, it's a high <laughs> bar you're setting there. I do want to remind people that the season's pro- podcast is sponsored by Project Lomo. Logan Morrison of the Miami Marlins lost his dad to cancer in 2010 and has worked tirelessly for a cause he cares about, fighting lung cancer. Now he's asking young fans to find a cause they care about and do something about it. Last Wednesday, Logan visited Miami High School to officially launch the program and address an audience of more than 300 students. You can learn about it at projectlomo.mlblogs.com. It's a really great initiative, and the young fans who do the most amazing projects will have a chance to go to a Marlins game, meet Logan Morrison and some of his teammates, throw out the first pitch, and win $1,000. It is a truly a worthy cause, and we're really excited to have Project Lomo sponsor this year's podcast. And that's, once again, it's projectlomo.mlblogs.com. So for Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you on next week's Baseball America College podcast. So long, everybody. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.